Blog Talk Radio. www.theclowntimes.net and you can find me on, on Facebook <clears throat> just you know it doesn't matter wherever if you're on your uh, cell phone your your um, I should say smartphone because most of us don't have it um, your desktop laptop wherever you are wherever you be just go to search one on Facebook type in the clown times again that's clowns with a K you can find me there as well we're going to get into lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of NFL, including what happened in week one, of course. And the biggest, we're going to, going to cover our biggest prizes, disappointments. Of course, Antonio Brown to New England and what's going on with that band right now with his sexual assault allegations against them. And we're going to touch on a little bit on ESPN's um, uh, 30 for 30 document, uh, 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 documentary, I should say. Dennis Rodman, for better or for worse, I thought was very compelling and probably one of the saddest uh, 30 for 30 that I've seen. And if we have time, we'll get into a little bonus section here, um, you know, involving Jamel Hill and the piece um, on the Atlantic. If you hadn't read it yet, please check it out. It is called, if I can put it up here, it's called, um, It's Time for Black Athletes to Read White Colleges. And it's got it's getting a lot of buzz on social media. It's been talked a lot heavily amongst black people. <laughs> and uh, and then, again, also some people out there forgot what the term segregation is and how it came about. So hopefully we have time again to that as well. So I'm going to uh, hopefully have my uh, partner, Con Dwayne Nash. She's from Breezy Radio as, as, you know, as well as, and here he is. He just popped in. So, again, as I was going to say, uh, you can catch uh, him on uh, Sleazy Radio every week on Facebook Live. I think it's on Tuesday nights, as well as um, 
the yards as HBCU Sports. They wrap up all things HBCU Sports. Dwayne Ash in the house. My co-host, how you doing, brother? I am fantastic. But before we move on, I, I think that this will be yeah. a fantastic time to do this. Um, So, there's going to be, well, I, I don't want to say too much, but I just want to go ahead and 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 get your permission on something. Um, being that you've yes, used it often and you said it often, so what if my sister said, "Hey, why don't you think about using that as your tagline?" So I thought I'd come to you and ask your thoughts about covering all things HBCU sports. Me using that as my tagline for the yard. Why not? Why not? I mean, it's, it is, it, right? it's, it's <laughs> the, the way that you say it. it it's, yeah. it's I got. I never thought about having a tagline, and someone was like, "You need to have a tagline." And someone that they listened to the show, and they said, "You should use that as your tagline." So I didn't want you to see it and be like, "Hey," so I come to you first. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I'd use this as a great platform to let everyone know that. Yes, when you start to see it, it's because of Scott that that is the tagline. So I wanted to go ahead and come to you for permission first on that. I'll be honest. I'll be honest and just make sure I get 10%. <laughs> you get your 10%. And like I said, there, there's yeah. some things on the horizon. There will be some changes soon in the next month or yeah. so. And I'll most definitely yeah. keep you abreast of everything that's going on. Right. And I have PayPal. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's great, man. Hey, hey. I'm, like I said, I'll be honored, man. So use that shit. You use it. And use it. Feel good. And hopefully, if we have time, we get into some HBCU sports related stuff at the end. Um, yes, I really want to get into that briefly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to save that to the end. Hopefully, we should have time for it, but. Uh, no, no time at the present. But you know, normally I will go. We will go over shit that happened during the week, right? Like the USA losing to France in the World Cup, yeah. this quarterfinal round. Even though we'll qualify for the Olympics, thank you God. Um, also, <laughs> like week two of the of the of the college football season, where it's another year, and the ACC still sucks in football and all that stuff, and the SEC redeemed itself. Blah blah blah. But we're going to get to the NFL, goddammit. We're going to get to the NFL, get into week one, because we've been looking forward to this for eight months. And, uh, well, seven months, actually. But nevertheless, a long-ass time. And we're going to just get into it, because after all, you and I and many people can't quit football. So we're going to get into no, it not right at all. quick. Um, <laughs> exactly. So lots of excitement. It's like, you know, lots of exciting things happen, obviously. You know, you got the Thursday night opener where – it was a snooze fest between the Packers and Bears. But thankfully, Sunday made up more than made up for it. But there were a lot of surprises, bro. First of all, and you can call it a disappointment, but actually, we'll get to the surprise first. I know this happened against a fair, inferior opponent. And actually, like, like, like for two instances, actually, both happened against inferior opponents. Baltimore taking it to Miami. First of all, an NFL team scoring 59 points. 59 points. I mean, that's just – that's. I don't care how bad Miami is. You can't let another NFL squad beat your ass and score 59 points, especially at home. 
from week one. I mean, it, I guess those boys quit on him, but but nevertheless, Lamar Jackson looked great. He only missed three passes and scored five touchdowns. And the, the great thing about that is he didn't rush for more than ten yards. He was it was he was a straight pocket pass. He was moving around the pocket, but he never really took off. And he really, really, really just um, improved his pass, albeit against an inferior opponent again. But still, I mean, they're still an NFL franchise, and that has been enough for And then Dallas just waxed in the Giants. And, but the, the surprising thing in that is is how, uh, um, uh, what's his face, um, Dak Prescott did. He missed only seven passes with 25 for 32 for 405 yards and four touchdowns. Didn't really need a Zeke Elliott to show out. But then my biggest disappointment, of course, my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers not showing up. Wouldn't have been once again in New England. But that's, to me, that's not nearly as bad. Because let's face it, we expected New England to beat Pittsburgh. Just didn't, didn't get them to beat the hell out of them. But nevertheless, we expected them to win. But uh, Cleveland, the same overhyped Cleveland Browns, or I still call them the Brownies, losing by 30 points at home. To a Tennessee Titans team that well, they were underdogs, but they sure didn't play like it. They just beat the hell out of them. Just took it to Cleveland. Like old school Titans. Uh, of like, like of the Eddie George days. So, anyway, that, those, are my, those are my biggest surprises and disappointments. So, what's your biggest surprise and disappointment of week one? Uh-oh. Did I lose him? Um, hold on, I, I lost him. Let me get him back in. Let me get Patrick back in right quick. Dwayne, you still there, bro? I am. Yeah, that was my mistake. I was actually I was knocked off for some reason, called back in. So I guess okay. that's why I was muted. But um, yeah, you you've encompassed all of the surprises, but the biggest surprise to me was well, the, the two big surprises, of course, was yeah. Baltimore over Miami. Now, I right. knew that – well, I didn't know. No one knew because it's, 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 it's week one. No one knows, right? Right. Even though we could assume that Miami was going to be bad, but no one knew Miami was going to be that bad or Baltimore that good in week one. Now, the thing is, is yeah. whether or not Baltimore can sustain that type of offensive output for the entire season, which I doubt. But if they can, right. that will be a huge surprise. Because, of course, yeah. everyone questioned Lamar Jackson's ability to pass the ball. And right. Right, what did he do, pass with six touchdowns on Sunday? Five touchdowns. He missed Five. three passes, went 17 to 20 for 324. That's, that's just crazy. Insane. Yeah. So you, you, you had all of that. And then, of course, uh, Tennessee and, and Cleveland, yeah. <laughs> once again, on paper, Cleveland looked fantastic, offensively and defensively. And to have the team right. of all teams, I'm not saying of all teams, like Tennessee Titans is the worst team in, in the NFL, but Tennessee right. is one of those teams, especially in recent years, they'll give you 7-9, and 8-8, 9-7, some around that, especially yeah, with, remember, uh, with, uh, with, with Marcus Mariota running the offense. Yeah. Right. So I wasn't expecting a 50-point output from them either. 
Now, uh, 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 Derrick Henry, he's one of those running backs. He'll either give you 65 yards in a game or he'll give you 220. Sunday was one of those 200 days. So, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's not a lot of for him to – oh, yeah. And, and, and then, of course <laughs> – First of all, long way, Oh, the long, yeah. See, he's good for that. When he has those big games, he's good for at least one or two huge runs in those games. And, um, mm-hmm. God, for them to put up over 50 points on 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 uh, Cleveland and for Cleveland's offense to look as inept as it did, it's, it's something that they're going to have to clean up. But at the yeah. same time, you know, that, that, that'll learn us to get overexcited about a team, one, before week one starts, and then two, it's still week one. So I'm, I'm telling a lot of people, pop your brakes, hold your brakes, you know. Right. Um, let's, let's at least get to week four, week five, before we start trashing teams and start crowning teams. Oh, and the other game, too, <laughs> the very first game of the season, uh, 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 Green Bay yeah. and Chicago. Now, I oh, expected Chicago to come out uh, defensively like that. What I didn't expect right. was for uh, Green Bay to come out like that with the replacements that they have, especially on the outside linebacker oh. position. Um, I forget it was really the, good. The, uh, real good. Now I forget the one linebacker that they have. That's the uh, the, the pass rusher. That's that's technically supposed to be the guy that's replacing Clay Matthews. But the other outside linebacker, Preston Smith, that came from Washington, is someone that I'm extremely familiar with, and the Skins wanted to keep. But of course, financially couldn't, thanks to the Alex Smith right. deal with him and having to pay him with his injury. You know, he didn't have the money to give to him, and he decided to go to Green Bay. So, with all right. that said, you know, he, he's now showing the world, who of course didn't watch him play in Washington, what he's capable of. The thing is, you know, will he be able to have a string of games like this throughout the entire season? So, those are my surprises. The, the the one team though that I feel the worst for, of course, is the Houston uh, uh, Texans and the winning yeah. loss. Oh, I'll say this: yeah. I saw the final touchdown that they scored in the fourth quarter, driving late in the game with 37 seconds to go, and said to myself, "Hmm, you know, I can take a bathroom break real quick. This game's over with. <laughs> I come back." And I'm watching Lutz's kick go through the uprights, and I'm thinking to myself, that's not what I think it is, is it? And it was. So, and you know, it, oh, 58. Who plays prevent defense on Drew Brees? Ever. Ever. <laughs> that just, you know, I, think, I, I guess. I, I think because they, they, they feared the long ball leg, but still, to your point, yeah, you just let. Drew Brees walked his ass down the field and didn't even get him out of bounds. It's no. Just, wow. So yeah, that, 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 those are my major takeaways from um, from week one. Mm. Yeah. Well. And and, and yeah, yeah you know, don't get in touch on Dallas like because I thought that's what Dallas well, was done. Oh, we're not going to talk about Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and, I, and I'm glad that that I'm glad that um uh, uh um. Uh, what's his name? Sammy uh, Sharp just bumped, had, 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 had uh, Skip Bears bumped his break. They were supposed to do that. They were supposed to do that against the Giants. They're horrible. Like, 
as I said earlier, I know the Jazz are horrible. I know the Miami's horrible. It's just yeah. the way that those quarterbacks, the winning teams, how well they perform. But I'll tell you exactly. what, man, that Titans game, it felt like it was 50, even though the final score was 43 to 13. The point was is that, is that they, Cleveland, again, it's Earl. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet, but, man, did they look terrible. And they, they just did. look unprepared. So unprepared. You know I mean, they're still a talented team, but still, that was Very. not a good look. But I'll say this about Dak, though, because you make comments about Dak and his stats. You know, right. I, I understand Dak had a bad season last year, and I, I I still lean that what we saw last year from Dak is, is who Dak is. You know, he, yep. he, he would have good moments, especially with the addition of Amari Cooper, but he also had his bad moments. But right. there are times in which he does shine. And, and I guess the moment that was the turning moment, in my opinion, was the playoff game against the Green Bay Packers a couple of seasons ago in Dallas. I think it was uh-huh. his first one, if I remember correctly, where right, I expected Dak to, to lay an edge against Aaron Rodgers. And, no, he passed for, what, over 300 yards and three touchdowns in that game. It just happened to be that he was playing against Aaron Rodgers. So Dak has the ability to do that. And now that he has talented yeah. receivers – and Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, who everyone is raving about, who had a huge game in week one. They bring back Witten. They, uh, uh, and then, of course, the, the, the most important signing, in, in my opinion, and you, something that you're going to have to watch for, of course, is them re-signing mm-hmm. uh, 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 Ezekiel Elliott. But my thing is eight years. You committed yourself to eight years to a running back. That means you're going to really have to manage his output. You, you you can't run him the way that you used to run him, and you're committed to eight years for him. You can't do that. But it'll be interesting to see how this team um, deals because they you, you know how it goes. If if, if Dallas seems good, the world think the, the media think they're great, and right now the media yeah. think they're great. I know so. All eyes on them, of course. So we'll we'll see exactly how that bands out. Well, yeah, I mean, I had Dallas doing well this season. Well, you know that we did a preview picks the other week, but I just I just hope they fall on their faces. But I, I have a feeling that that they're going <laughs> to they're going to be really good. Unfortunately, um, we touched upon Cleveland already. What the fuck happened with Pittsburgh? I mean, are they really that bad? I, again, I know New England owns Pittsburgh in general, and they and, and they're undefeated with Tom Brady at home against the Steelers. But damn, I didn't see thirty-three to three coming. I did not see that coming. And so, which begs the question: With AB out, or General Brown out of town, Le'Veon Bell out of town, is all on Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster. Be careful what you wish for, brother. You're the number one guy now. And teams are looking to take you out of the ball game. And my team needs a number two to step up. James Watson, where the hell are you? My <laughs> team, are you still dropping passes? I mean, <laughs> and the defense still can't stop a parked car. So, is this going to be a long year? Again, I know it's just one game. Try not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if, but do you expect what, – what's to expect out of Pittsburgh this year? Do you still expect 10 wins? Is it jump down at eight or nine? What what what, what do you think is going to what's your prognostication of Steelers based upon the week one performance? Now, 
Scott, you may or may not remember this album, right? I don't know if my listeners mm-hmm. do. They would have to be huge hip-hop heads to remember this album. One time DJ for Public Enemy, Terminator X, had a solo album back in 1989, yeah. 1990. Um, Valley of the Jeep Beats. There was a song on there called that's why I sing the blues, and I swear, every season, y'all Steelers fans do just that. Man, y'all have a bad game against a huge opponent, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, are we gonna win nine or ten I'm games? We're not that bad, <laughs> man. Listen, <baby. laughs> you, you you know how thirsty the Redskins fan base is to win ten games and to see a nine game season win season. Man, it's just oh, I wish, I wish that we could have nine wins. My God, the defense was for the history. We used to excellent. I understand that. I get that, and I and that's why I, I pick on you guys. I find it funny, but at the same time, I understand where you are coming from, and I understand why you're complaining about the defense the way that you that, that y'all do. But it seems like in recent years they start out slow. And, and I don't know why it's a repetitive pattern now because, once again, this defense is a year older. They should have an yeah. understanding of what it is that Tom Coughlin and the D coordinator wants to do there. But, you know, at, at the same time, they're still playing against Tom Brady and, and the New England Patriots. Week two, who, who do the Steelers have yeah. week two? We got Seattle at home. That's Don't right. Seattle's coming, coming to the crib. So, that's going to be very interesting to see exactly how Pittsburgh, both offensively and defensively, handles uh, this, this game. Because if they come out looking the way that they looked against New England, against Seattle, uh-oh, because you, you know that the chances of a team going 0-2 and making the playoffs are very, slim very down. slim, right. minuscule even. But it, it, right. it can still happen. But, you know, it's, it's still some chance. The thing is, you know, you, you have an opponent that's coming from the West Coast, coming east. Um, you have a, a yep. quality QB. Yeah, and, yep. and it's a 1 o'clock game. That's the other thing. And it's a 1 o'clock game. You have a very good QB and, 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 and uh, Russell Wilson that's coming out there, that, that running back by committee with, with Pinay and Carson. Um that receiving core that we still don't know who the number one guy is, but you know my thing is you don't necessarily need a number one guy when everyone is productive, and you have the, a quarterback right. like Russell Wilson, and then that defense is still trying to find their legs. They struggled against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's another surprise. Really. Yeah, we forgot about that. They struggled against the this Bengals. I watched that game. I watched that game here with some friends. They should have won that game. Away. See, and, and and you're saying they should have won that game. That says a whole lot about both Cincinnati and their start. And, and now, once again, you got A.J. Green that's out for uh, some time. And, 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 and also um, Seattle early. But once again, like I said, it's, it's, it's week one. We don't want to put the entire season on week <laughs> one. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when it's a situation that's kind of there for them, you know, everything's kind of in their favor. Like I said before, West Coast team coming out east, playing a 1 o'clock Sunday game. Yeah. Not saying it's automatic, but a lot of things are in their favor 
to kind of to kind of take advantage of a team that may be a little jet lagged in that game. Right. That's true. Uh, look again, you know we fans are Steelers fans, Patriots fans. You know we're used to excellence, right? The Eagles, like I want to say the Eagles, but the China Columbia. But you know, the point is. When you team fan of a team that usually have success, you kind of expect it. So we're spoiled. I I totally get it. I mm-hmm. think that the performance week one, I thought they oh, come yeah. out would come out well. But urgency against a top notch player in England that's been tormenting us for mm-hmm. years on end, namely um, Brady. Um, but I guess it is what it is. At this point, got to move forward. One last thing we're going to touch upon the NFL as far as things that we don't. Getting tired of talking about is that Bama Antonio Brown. First of all, Ooh. we don't know how he, what he did himself out of Oakland. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. He was trying to take his way out of Oakland and get to New England. I, I keep saying that until proven otherwise. I don't give a damn. I got my tin hat, tin foil hat on. <laughs> it's pointing up straight up in the sky. I don't care. I, I know why. I, I can put two of them together, fellas, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I mean, what's crazy is, I mean, we want to talk about the sexual assault allegations. That's another, that's, that's, that's just sad in and of itself. But, mm-hmm. but the thing about AB is, he, which makes it precarious, that precarious enough for him, this current situation is, he went from a team that needed him, that traded for him, and gave him $30 million. Mm-hmm. To misbehaving this way to losing that 30 mil and getting just 10 mil. From New England on a one-year prove a deal on a team for a team that doesn't even need him. No, they don't need Antonio Brown. They because their offensive game plan is like this. It's like a chameleon, like 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 a like a Sharp always says about New England. They're the ultimate chameleon offense as far as the game mm-hmm. plan. It depends on what the defense gives them. So you're gonna have some weeks where they're gonna even say, okay, we're gonna take away Tom Brady and Dale Yorinke to do it, and then Tom Brady only throws it ten or fifteen times. Then there's some games where they take away the run, and then they're like, okay, Tom, Tom Brady, throw it 50 times. So it's a, it's a, it, it, you can't really pin them down. It's the ultimate chameleon, basically, and which means that they, they could do it's, – it's not the, it's not the players as much as the system. Mm-hmm. So we've seen players thrive and players struggle. We've seen the likes of Randy Moss thrive in their course, Corey Dillon. Thrive in it, mm-hmm. and then again, there's shadows and Cinco that didn't thrive in it. And mm-hmm. uh, Albert Hainsworth, right? And then Tony Brown didn't have a training camp, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, with New England. And New England playbook is said to be the most complex in the league, if not one mm-hmm. of the complex at least. So, I mean, they're going to have Tony Brown running simple routes. So, I mean, the thing is, is I mean. You know, what type of impact can Antonio Brown have until the middle of the year? That is, if he's still on New England's roster given the sexual assault allegations. So mm-hmm. basically, this is this this is the ultimate, ultimate like fall from grace for Antonio Brown. We witnessed him before our very eyes. The only man to piss away his $30 million. Yes. And lose 20, yes. net 20 in the process of getting only 10 mil from New England. Your, your thoughts on that? Man, this entire thing is crazy in the fact of how much has transpired, especially over the past few days. We're not even going back to the, the feet situation. We're not even going back to the helmet thing. 
Because technically right. the helmet thing even comes back to last week yeah, but or week before last too. So yeah. even outside <clears throat> of those two things, you have the whole argument. You have the fight between himself and Mike Mayock and the things that have transpired between that. Then you had the apology. Yeah. Then you had the suspension with the fines that were levied. And then you had the request on social media to be released from mm-hmm. the team, and then the team releases him. And in the process of him being released, there are three organizations, including the New England Patriots, who were interested in him, one of which he was actually right. on the phone with one of the coaches while he was signing said deal. Yeah. And, of course, when you had the theatrics of the release and, and, and how that hit social media and the reaction to that, and then, of course, the reaction to the releasing and the uh, reaction to him signing with the Patriots, the money that was lost, the money that was gained, the confusion that I originally had when I first saw the deal, because I don't know about you, Scott, but when I first saw the deal, what I saw was he signs for $19 million. I'm sorry, for $15 million. Mm -hmm. Um, $9 million guaranteed. Now it turns out that it's ten million, and all of that ain't guaranteed. So, and then of course the, the 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 I don't know if you heard this or not, but if he makes, if he would have made Oakland's roster and made it to Tuesday, to yesterday, if you'd have made it to yesterday on Oakland's roster, he would have gotten the thirty million. Mm-hmm. So either he's yeah. dumb. Or he really wanted out of Oakland. <laughs> but you know He's what? Dumb. I'm going to He's say it's the latter, and let me explain to you why. Because even oh, okay. if if he makes it to Oakland's roster, the other chain of events don't happen, and, and he needs those events in order for him to get out of Oakland. If none of that happens, especially the fight, he doesn't make it to the third. If the fight doesn't happen. Then he makes it to thirty million, and he's on Oakland's roster. But if the fight does happen, so the fight did happen, he was never going to make it to Tuesday yeah. anyway. He was never yeah. going to well, he was never going to make it to the thirty million anyway with the fight. So yeah. the, for, it was best for him to get out of Oakland, and that's why when I heard uh, uh, Stephen A. say, if he just would have waited to Tuesday, he would have got the thirty. He was going to get that thirty. He wasn't going to get that 30. That 30 was, was already gone. Wow. And, 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 and you needed those other events to not happen. Well, you needed the fight to not happen in order to get to the 30. But, you know, with the fight happening. And that, that's the other thing, too. All of the stuff that he's known for, his, his excessive tardiness, which we know in New England doesn't carry over well. The fact that he called, right. and I found, it, I found this to be funny, right? So... Well, mm-hmm. I, know I don't even want to talk about that right now because I don't even want to get into race relations. But the fact yeah. that he called yeah. <laughs> Mike Mayock a cracker, that's not going to carry over well in Boston, period. We already know their history. Yeah. So, dude, what do you want to do? And then, like you said, he's missed training camp. He, he, well, I guess he's learning the playbook now, I guess. And like you said, it's very intricate. He probably doesn't – if he does get a chance to play, and this is sans the whole allegations, 
week three, maybe. Week three, maybe yeah. get the field. And then what will he be like? And then, like you said, you know, and that was an interesting move quiet has kept from the New England Patriots that I thought was a big move. And I say it's, it's, it's not big, but it was an interesting move. They let go of Demarius Thomas when they make the yeah. three-man cuts. They signed him back only to trade him to the Jets. Yo, Jets, you could have had him for free, you big dummy. But I digress. I understand it's only a six-round <laughs> pick. But still, yeah. the New England Patriots have a way with late-round picks. And then, of course, draft picks are, are – are, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? Not assets, but um, – Commodities. Um, Draft picks are commodities, yeah. and you group them together, you can get something else. And we know how the Patriots are capable of, of collecting assets like that and, and, and generating them into something else. So that's a whole other conversation yeah. itself. But, yeah, you had A.B., you got Josh Gordon, you got Julian Edelman, you got those other young receivers that are there, you got um, Whitehead, you got James White that's coming out the backfield. It's only one football, dog. Everybody can't get the ball, and he's he, he's not known for focusing on somebody unless they prove they need to be focused on. And even in those situations, it wasn't like he had a – Tom Brady had a plethora of options, and that's currently what he has right now. So I'm looking hmm. at A.B.'s numbers dropping drastically. And then with all – you include the drop-off along with his actions – here, let me give you some perspective. Terrell hmm. Owens' his last season, with everything that we knew of him, and a lot of it I still believe to be false in terms of him being a locker room cancer, in his final season had well over 900 yards and nine touchdowns with the Cincinnati Bengals. And like I said, that right. was his final season. No one wanted to touch that dude and thought of him yeah. as a pariah then. Even though there were two other teams interested in, in Antonio Brown before the sex scandal came out, what happens if he has a subpar season and that sex thing carries on towards at least halfway through the season? Who's going to be willing to look at him then? Yeah, that's the rub. And that's what I think about because I think uh, that's why and I, I'm not prone to hyperbole, but I think this is the this is the beginning of the end of Antonio Brown on the hill. I really do think that. Uh, I, I, really I think hope that. not, man. But in he left a great situation in Pittsburgh. Yes. This is the way he 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 he, 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 he at the full his way out of Oakland, and for what? Yes. And now all this is coming down the pipe, and it's. I think it's the end. I think it's the beginning of the end for him. But you were going to make a point real quick. Oh yes, real quick. Um. Mike Tomlin, can um can 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 get it? can he get an apology? Because well, everyone talked about how he was losing control of the locker room. He let two of his best offensive players go, and and got nothing to show for it. And oh my God, what do, what monsters don't we know? that was going on in that organization or that was repressed because of the fact that they were there with Mike. If all of that came out of Antonio Brown now, 
What was going on that we didn't see when he was in Pittsburgh? Well, there's and, a report and, written by Mike Freeman. Sorry, sorry, sorry bro. That's, no, that's good. That's, no, because you were answering my question. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, Mike Freeman wrote a great piece. Uh, those of you not familiar with Mike Freeman, please check out his work. Uh, I think he said it was SI. I forgot who he's with now. But he wrote a piece about what has transpired in Pittsburgh locker room those years leading up to mm-hmm. what happened over the summer. Over the last game of the season, I should say, where Jonathan Brown was, was basically banished from Pittsburgh for the last game of the season against the Bengals. Um, the same that basically they watched um, Big Ben get us, Ben Roethlisberger get his way upon everything. Like he was late for meetings, and we all know he's a, not the best leader in the world anyway. But he was late for mm-hmm. meetings. He had his own rules, and all the players understood that except for Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. They looked at that, and they were like, well, shit, if he's getting away with all this, we're just, we're just good, we're good players, too. We're still on the team, mm-hmm. too. Why can't we get that treatment? And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of that stuff is. It's true. Now, if all that's true, that's where the genesis was. Basically, Mike Tomlin letting Big Ben do whatever the hell he wanted, when he wanted, and to the fact that led it to distrust among players, and especially with Antonio Brown, who was actually one of the popular players in the, in the locker room because he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, when they started seeing, when that story most started coming up with him and Le'Veon Bell, then that 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 locker room was splintered like like it was it was it was crazy. It was, I mean, it was splintered so bad it was just epic. Uh, according to the article, again, if it's true. So I, even though yes, AB is a Bama. As you call him, I call him a damn fool <laughs> personally. I, I think that I that's think what AB stands for. Alabama. There you go. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think Tomlin has a lot to do with that. Had a lot to do with that as well, and should have put his foot down with Big Ben and in, in place like because he is a player's coach to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that falls on his shoulders as well. Just mm-hmm. answer the question. Yeah, I, I if, if that's the case, then I completely agree. I do because yeah, we're always true, but yeah, yeah. If it is, man, you can't do that for one player and and expect other players to not see that and wonder and meatballs. You know, it, it's, it's right. going to happen. It happens everywhere. So right, yeah, but you know, I, I just I, I don't want to see a young black male's career come to a demise like that, but because right. of all of the foolishness that he brought upon himself, it is what it is. Right. Just real quick, I, 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 it came up, of course, the conversation today on, on Sports Talk Radio here in, in the district when they, they were talking about um, Antonio Brown and the type of attention that he's receiving. Of course, someone asked, why is it that A.B. is capable of getting all of this attention and no one is willing to reach out and go out of their way to sign Colin Kaepernick? And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, so this this narrative comes back in there again. But uh, once yeah, again. You and Lenise mentioned that friend, Lenise Robinson. She she talked about that on Facebook without understanding. Like, like, people now understand the nuances of it, but, but, but go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's the nuances that that, that come to it. 
And like I've said on this show multiple times, and I'll continue to say it until my face turns blue. It's the thought yeah. process. Not not the, not well. There are some once again that don't want that circus, and I'm doing air quotes on circus as it pertains to Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not blaming Kaepernick for for the circus. It's the the right. the, the media right. attention that comes with him, not his fault. Yeah. Because all he's doing is, is, is speaking his mind politically. Same thing that goes with Tim Tebow. It's the media yep. circus that comes with him. But mm-hmm. it's those that, that there's some that think that, you know, the, the, the type of athlete that they are, they just aren't as good as they believe that they are. But from what we last saw of Antonio Brown in 2008, he was one of the best at his position. That was just last year. Unfortunately, we haven't seen Cap play since 2016, and that year wasn't his best. So let's not even make that association, please. I, I, I understand what, what they are attempting to do, but uh, that's not completely it. It's that's that's a huge nuance too. But moving on, man. God is talking about well, that Bama, Alabama. That's his new name to me now, yeah, Alabama. There you go. Yeah, let's. Yeah, that's totally. That's yeah. That's, I hear that comparison a lot with Antonio San Antonio Brown. Why not Kaepernick? I mean, that's two totally different conversations, believe it or not. And it's pretty exhausting at this point, so we're just gonna move on. Um, did you check out the uh, the ESPN Three for Thirty Dennis Rodman documentary last night for better or for worse? Did you check that out? I I did not, but I will as soon as I get off the phone with you. I wanted to check it out before <laughs> I talked to you today because, yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of 37 to play catch up on anyway. But this one I wanted to see, and it's like a lot of stuff that I thought um, I was going to hear about Dennis according to – and you didn't even say anything, really. You just said that my thoughts about Dennis Rodman have changed, which leads me to believe yeah. that there's some additional stuff that I already that I don't already know about Dennis that's going to be discussed in the documentary. But there, there, I, there are a lot of things that I already knew about Dennis in, in terms of you know him and, and and him just wanting to be loved, and unfortunately yeah. the, the ways that he went thing. about it, right? You know, and, and of course his work his work ethic and. The fact that he attempted to commit suicide, you know, in the Palace parking lot, which is insane in itself, and all the yeah. stuff that he's exactly. gone through, yeah. So, I'm, 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 I want to, I want to, I really want to watch it because I want to, I want to hear, and then I think that's one of the things I really haven't heard is his perspective of the the late '90s Bulls while he was there, from from mm. his angle. I want, I want to hear that. And 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 see yeah. how how that lens looks from his perspective. Well, that perspective as well as the San Antonio, his time with San Antonio, loves mm. that I forgot. Like you know, his book when his book "As Bad as I Want to Be" came out, that was mm-hmm. his first summer with San Antonio. That was his, that was his right before training camp, where like uh-huh. when he like like when he met with uh, the fans. So uh-huh. basically. That was San Antonio's introduction to Dennis Rodman. 
I forgot that's about right. that. That's right. I saw timing. But the thing is, too, is that what's interesting is you need to see – I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you're going to, you need to see um, um, Dennis Rodman's perspective about San Antonio. Okay. And particularly David Rodman. Um, and, and, and wow. Vice versa. It, 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 it was not a – I mean, on paper it should have worked, but you can see why it didn't work, um, mm-hmm. even though they did better. With, with Rodman there, they had, they had to get – because remember – during the David Robinson years, especially the height of his career, the Spurs were considered soft. Yes. They were considered a soft team. Mm-hmm. To the point where people could take shots like the, the, like the, the, the Lakers would have their way with San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rockets would have their way with San Antonio during the mm-hmm. uh, back-to-back years, seven years of Olajuwon and company. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and so Robinson was supposed to be that fix. And while they, they translated the better regular seasons, the playoffs still ended in disappointment considering what was expected of them. But to me, you hit on the head earlier. The whole the theme, I thought the theme around the documentary was this need to be loved. He, he had a very messed up childhood. A very, very messed up childhood. His dad abandoned the family. His mom didn't hug him nor his siblings. So mm-hmm. not only did he, did he not know much about family, he didn't know how to be a good father. And so that was another stuff. That was a, that was part of the theme as well. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had no he had no idea how to be a father to his kids. And that was one of the saddest things about the documentary. I mean, he it made you almost want to cry. I mean, to, to wow. see his kids, his kids react, especially his oldest, Alexis. I mean, she's a grown woman now. Um. And to have, see her reaction and her thoughts on Dennis Rodman, the man and the father, mm-hmm. his two ex-wives, their reaction to the fact that mm-hmm. they had to go for them, that he wasn't, he hasn't been around for his kids, still haven't been around for his kids to this day, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's sad. It's just very sad to see how one childhood corrupts, if you will, or pollutes one's adulthood. How how did yeah. they both are intertwined? So intertwined. But I'll let you check it out after this this podcast is over. You see it for yourself. But it's very compelling and it's very you feel for Dennis, but you feel very sad for Dennis too when it's all mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll say that and leave it at that. Which leads us to this one I say. I'm glad that we we kind of flew through the through the podcast, my friend. So that list leaves us enough time to talk about Jamel Hill's article on the Atlantic. I don't know if anyone of you out there checked it out. Dwayne, I assume you have. You may not have. I don't know. But oh, I have. Yes, sir. Her article. Okay, great. So we, we can really get into a moment here. It's called It's Time for Black Athletes to Leave White Colleges. It starts off with basically chronicling one, the recruitment one, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, mm-hmm. who once visited Florida A&M. He was thought to be headed to Florida A&M because he really loved Florida A&M when he went there as a sophomore on the recruiting visit. And then, ultimately, he chose uh, uh, the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I think the quote was, if I could find it, yes, here's a quote. Nobody wants to eat McDonald's where you can get filet mignon. have filet mignon. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. And, you know, and but the thing is, you know, so many people have misinterpreted Jamel's article, a lot yes, of people champion, no conservatives. 
and I'm sorry to say that, but I'm just going to call it like, call it like it is and keep it all over 100. Uh, uh-huh. They would keep. They kept saying that she's perpetuating segregation, not uh-huh. knowing what the hell segregation was in the first place. It was exactly. government sanction, not school sanction. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, especially I don't know if you've seen this clip of Laura Laura Ingram. I think we pronounced the last name on Fox, which had oh, been watching. I know, know what you're referring to though. Yeah. Yeah, and she mentioned that question to him, thinking that she was gonna he was gonna agree with her. And he was like, um, no, she's not perpetuating segregation. If you read the article, you got to saying, if you read the article, it said this, 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 this. And, and Jamel even says that, white, and we both, you and I both know this as product for HBCUs. There are a lot of white kids that go to HBCUs. Yeah. Even more yes, so are. now than when we were there. So they, they, they go to HBCUs, and not just white people, like, uh, like other kids, Asians. Yes, like Latinos, mm-hmm. Indians, whatever they 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 go to they go to HBCUs now. You see them, you see yeah. them on campus. You see them at A and T and Central, and with some mm-hmm. states. Um, but you know, but the point is, is her question that Jamel Hill posed was, okay, and this is in the tagline: Black athletes attract money and attention to predominantly white universities that showcase them, while of course HBCUs struggle. So her question was, what would happen if they collectively decided to go to black schools? So first ding, of all, ding, before ding. I get dive into it, let me let me get your thoughts on Jamel Hill's article and whether you agree with the premise or the tagline as you know, pretty much if the black athletes would go and mass to HBCUs, where it'd be one and done, another fast five in basketball or or, or what have you, or more NFL blue like like blue chip college football blue uh, blue chippers. Would the money follow in the same cascade as they would fall as they would fall on PWI, the predominantly white institutions? Now, first and foremost, of course, you know, and well, I'm going to say this. So I'm actually in the middle right now of working on what I have now dubbed to be a companion piece to Jamel's article. Right, mm. right, and and the one thing that you pointed out, and, and I was like, okay, I understand why people miss the point, because of course, when we see articles now, no one necessarily wants to read the article; they grasp onto no. the sensationalism of the title, unfortunately, and sometimes right. the title may touch on the work, but it doesn't necessarily say what the work is completely about. And like you and they said, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The article itself asks the question, "What if?" Not that they yeah. should, and not that they should right. in droves, but what if star athletes decided to start going to HBCU? Now, yeah, there. Like I said, I'm working on a companion piece, and I don't want to give it all away yet. But mm-hmm. one of the things is, first and foremost, they're already star athletes at HBCUs. And there are certain, well, three, four, and five-star athletes that are transferring to HBCUs um, now and more so than there were in the past. But the thing is this, HBCUs aren't the only ones who are clamoring for great talent. 
if you are a non-Power 5 school, which includes yep. what, another mm, 60, 70 programs on the F- FBS level, and then all of FCS and all of Division Two, they want great talent too. So, yes, everyone wants great talent. The thing is, though, of course, it's whether or not the money will come directly with the student-athletes if the talented ones decide to go to HBCUs. And I believe that the issue is deeper than that. And like I said, it's all going to be in in, in the piece. But the thing is, what we need to focus on as those that are supporters of, of HBCUs is the long game. It's the, the, the ability mm. to sustain financial yeah. growth within our program. Right. As as much as, as as great as it would be to have great student athletes at these programs, I don't think that that's the end all be all in terms of fixing everything. As a matter of fact, I think that that's a that's that 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 aspect really is a lot smaller than what you think in terms of repairing the program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Case in point, there's three former uh, 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 three well actually there are three former at least four star QBs that are at HBCUs right now as we speak. That hasn't changed the amount of attention that has gone towards HBCUs. And but oddly enough, two of those guys have trouble pass. But still, they're at least four yeah. star athletes. DeAndre Francois at Hampton. Yeah. DeAndre Francois at, at Hampton. DeAndre yeah. Johnson, both guys, former FSU QBs, now at Hampton at Texas Southern respectively. Okay. Um and what's the the Jones Jalen Jones, formerly of the University of Florida. Is at uh, uh, he's at Jackson State, so you have yeah. talented guys that are there. Florida and them just just got to transfer a five star offensive lineman. That's now in Tallahassee, so you have talented guys, and you've had talented guys that weren't three, four, and five star guys that are now in the NFL right now. Tariq Cohen, um, Darius Leonard. Uh, Javon, Javon Hargrave, you know, so there's talented uh, 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 Titus Howard, uh, 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 God, I'm, I'm, uh, Tavon Armstead. Yeah, the Yes, Leonard, yes, and then, of course, Armstead, yeah. the all-pro uh, tackle in New Orleans. So you have – Right. You've had guys that were, that were stars in HBCUs <clears throat> that those who who weren't necessarily fans of HBCUs didn't know about until they got to the NFL. So that's the talent there. Right. We just need to get the masses there and we need to we need to figure out ways of getting the masses there. We need to figure out why masses aren't coming there. We need to talk about why masses aren't coming there. And we need to figure out ways to sustain them to coming. So yeah, the the getting the talent there is a is a, is a minor fix. But it ain't the big fix. So, and I'll plus, go ahead and, and plus, look, go to Sar. And look, and no, I was going to, I, was going to tell, I mean, my bad. I was going to say, look at the, the facilities at these HBCUs. I mean, 
granted, I was at I was at A and T, like, right, just showing my son around campus for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I'm taking him to his first homecoming in October, so I'll be Ooh. there as well. Um, you taking him to you taking him to a good you taking him to a good. There you You're go. Them I'm, I'm, I'm putting the season. I'm dropping the season. It's in the psyche. HBCUs, HBCUs. Um, but <laughs> I see the new facilities on being built on campus, right? I see the new student center. I see the new oh, uh, yes. academic Beautiful. building. I see the new, uh-huh. and that that helps that help a wellness center. Woo wee! It looks sweet. Yes. But I look but, at other stuff. Granted, there have been additions made to be in BBNC Stadium. Aggie Stadium. Mm-hmm. I see the new additions there. I see them striving, but it's still not there. And still, you know, still be way behind even some group of five schools as far as like facilities. And the endowment, I think is in the article here where I'm trying to find it right quick. Um, oh, damn it. I had it up here. Yeah. Uh, it said basically when Jamel Hill said, "Yeah, sports." This is a quote from the article: "The average HBCU endowment is only one eighth that of the average predominantly white school, and taken together, all the HBCU endowments combined, combined now, make up less than a tenth of Harvard." Yes, and, but let me put it yeah. like this though: There's some yeah. endowments that HBCUs receive. That yeah. athletic departments can't touch. Okay. Uh, and, and that's not all of them, but, but there are a lot of them that the, that the athletic departments can't even touch. They go to the departments that they're intended to. And also, those are slow-moving endowments. So it's not like, oh, the institution gets endowments, athletic departments automatically get a piece. That doesn't happen. Not at all. So, like I said, we we got to look at other ways. And also, that's another thing too, man. Because sometimes, when you compare yourself to a, to a big dog, and everybody can't do what the big dog doing, you know, you, you got to understand that maybe I shouldn't compare myself to them. Maybe I should compare myself to what those who are closer to me are doing, and what can I do to help me get to that level first before I even start thinking mm-hmm. about that. Just like you said, with the with the, with the, there, there are a lot of changes that are happening on A&T's campus. Fantastic. Wonderful. The uh, facilities at Alabama State, I've only seen pictures, but they are beautiful there in Huntsville. Yeah. Florida A&M has yeah. a new gymnasium. Um, the, the, the gym at Compton, though it's small, it's wonderful. And it's, it's big enough for them because they are a small campus. But it right. is probably the best-looking gym in the Northeast as it pertains to HBCUs. I can't think of one that looks better. But if you compare what's going on at on the MEAC level, on the SWAC level, to what's going on yep. in other conferences on that level, and when I say that, I mean the Big South. I mean what's going on in the Big Sky, what's going on yeah. – at the CAA, or even the the other five conferences, what's going on at the um, the NAC? Matter of fact, what's going on with Liberty, who is an FBS independent? Man, I know they moved up. 
Yeah. Yes, and you know why? Because they get a lot of of, of revenue and donation because they are a one of a kind institution. The Christians give, and they give an abundance. Yes, they do. <laughs> and that's why liberty right. is making the move in which that they are making. And I'll I'll talk about that in the article too. It's just crazy and say, man, let me tell you. <laughs> so, in an attempt to well, and not in an attempt in their moving up to the FBS level into Division One, they've made huge renovations and expansions to their football stadium. They now have indoor and outdoor tracks. They now have a new softball stadium. They have a new baseball stadium. They have a new gymnasium for basketball. All of this is based off of tuition money and the and the, the, the what was that? I saw the report of three billion that they were received in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen alone. Wow. Three billion with a B. Golly. With a B. Ooh. Let me tell you this. They were looking when they moved up to um well before they moved up to FBS. Because remember, they're independent right now. But on their move up right. to FBS, they were looking to move to a conference. One of the conferences that they were interested in was Conference USA. Conference USA, wow. and this is something, you know, once again, I'm still learning finances as it pertains to to to, to, to athletics. Me too. <laughs> I didn't understand that there's an entrance fee in order to get into these conferences. Right. Conference USA right. has a $2 million entrance fee. Liberty won it in. Liberty reportedly was going to pay more than the $2 million to get into the conference, but the conference said no because of this strict moral code as it pertains to Christianity. You know how much they're okay. willing to pay? I'm over for that, but tell me, if it's more than, more than $3 million, I'll be like, what? $24 million, reportedly. Oh, my God. Wow. And Conference USA. Million. Yes, wow. and Conference USA said no. And what makes it even more interesting, Conference USA said no to the $24 million, reportedly, when their TV deal was taking a hit and their annual payout per institution was less than a million dollars, and they said no to the $24 million from from Liberty. Wow. Must be some messed up moral codes. <laughs> so they I don't know. Two in Lynchburg? <laughs> and, yes, and it's in Lynchburg. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. With Liberty, because I thought it was, I mean, football-wise, they were they were on a run. They were very competitive for like the, in the in the past ten years within the Big South, and they decided they yep. want to make that jump. And the fact that they made this jump without a conference, which kind of is almost kind of like no, because they have a TV deal, they, but they have a small one, and it's independent to themselves. Okay. So their fan base gets it, and it's all digital, if I remember correctly, and you have access to it regionally within the Lynchburg area as well. But, yeah, they made this move without a conference, and they're still independent right now, and I guess they're still searching for a home if they haven't already gotten it. But, yeah, it's it's just intriguing 
that a school like Liberty, that legit pulled a Drake, started from the bottom, now we're here, yeah. and are comfortable where they are, even though their, their football schedule is weird. They, they, they play like New Mexico State twice a year, trying to figure out how that's the case. But, but they, they're still FBS, and they're capable of telling their recruits, hey, we're FBS. We have our own network. Yep. Your, your family can watch us online digitally, you know, and, and they get to do what they get to do. So, like I said, there are a lot of things, a lot of other things, along with bringing in talent that HBCUs need to do in order to make things better for themselves, and it's it's coming. The, the, release, the release date will be sometime next week, so I'll most definitely let you know when that story is released. Right. Because I'm 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 waiting to see what the reaction is, because a lot of the stuff that I found out in this short turnaround, I wish I had more time to, to, yeah. to do the research, but in this short turnaround, has been re- has been eye opening. It's been real eye opening. Like a lot well, of the stuff dude, I've already known, but a lot of stuff that I'm learning mm-hmm. now, it's it's insane. Well, you missed the the financial impact. You're talking about finance, or the finances, the financials rather. She touched mm-hmm. upon CB and Jamel. She touched upon another example. Our beloved Aggies with Clemson. Now, basically, Clemson, being only 60% black, won mm-hmm. a past two or three national championships, has a $55 million football complex. The one yeah. with the slide in it. Yeah. $55 million. Meanwhile, A&T, three miles from the north, we know it's 78% black. And even though we've won HBCU national championships in three of the last four seasons, mm-hmm. obviously it can't offer what Clemson can offer. I mean, A&T's entire endowment you mentioned is worth barely as much as Clemson's football complex alone. So yeah. basically, if you see a kid have a choice between Clemson and A&T, especially a blue chipper, who the hell do you think they're going to pick? So that's why she's thinking, what if all those elite athletes, she asked the question again, the next paragraph, collectively, mm-hmm. made a choice to attain HBCUs. See, my thing is, I don't think the money will flow in instantaneously, and I don't think she does either. But the thing is, I think it's a harder grind for the money to come. I just think that the powers that be won't necessarily will make it harder to happen. Um, I, 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 and, and plus, I just think that given the finances, what we touched upon, endowment, everything, I don't see how that really changes dramatically, even if you have this influx of talent. And I, and I get the fact that maybe, especially if it's like a like a blue chip, but let's just say for sake of argument, basketball. You know, if you have the, if you like say I have a Zion Williamson sign at I don't know South Carolina State, mm-hmm. you know. Would, would cameras be be down there? Would the cameras would like follow him all the way across the NIAC, like conference play and everything else? Probably, but I don't think still. I, I mean, still, but 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 would the money pick up? Would the money pick up overnight? Well, not overnight, but over time from alumni because we know that we have do a poor job of donating back to our school. That is common. That's common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, we we do not do a good job of, as HBCU grads alums of giving back to our school. We just don't. And, and, and I that's don't the thing. see how that change. 
and other things. Exactly. Were changed. The other nuances were changed. And, and that's the thing, Scott. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm writing about. It's a mindset. It is a collective yeah. mindset, not just the student athletes, but of the country as a whole. And like it's all, yeah. it's, it's, it touches on. It's going to touch on everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. It's, it's, it's a collective mindset uh. that everybody has to change. So, and that's the only way that it's going to work on that level, or at least start to make an increase into the right direction. So, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin everything by by talking about it now. I, 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 when, when it comes. Y'all see it. It, it. It's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna touch on a lot of interesting points and a lot of points that you know those like myself, like Stephen Gaither of uh, 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 HBCU Game Day, like Luke Williams of uh, Onadan and 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 uh, Stan Luter that works with ESPN and 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 Jay Howard and the conversations that we've. I'm sorry, Jay Walker. I'm not, I don't know why I keep calling him Jay Howard. Well, I know why, because it's Jay Walker and he's mm-hmm. Mr. Howard. Oh, yeah, and, and, and Jay Walker yeah. and all the conversations that we've had in the past on, on how to improve the situation and the guys I know from A&T and guys like yourself and from other HBCUs about ways to improve this thing. There's some of the things I'm, I'm, I'm going to share from our conversations in this piece and some other things that I've discovered that, that has to be talked about that for whatever reason aren't talked about in public. Because once again, in order for this thing that to, to really work, the mindset of everyone is gonna to have to change. Well, you I'm reading I'm yeah, I'm 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 thumbing through the article as, as I talk to you. Um mm-hmm. you know, people say that HBCUs as far as in terms of facilities and resources, lab always lab behind PWIs. I mean, mm-hmm. we can go to all sorts of things. That, that would go into another podcast that could go another two hours long. Or that long. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, the Pearl Monroe's, the 60s, is basketball players now. And mm-hmm. many other, like, like football players, I mean, the money in college football, college sports, isn't nearly what it is now. So yes. what we have to think is, okay, if they like the, college, if the money was big in the 60s as it is today, 50s to 60s mm-hmm. today. Would the money follow those black superstars at HBCUs? I think given the time of the country, I don't think it would have. Not in the 50s and 60s. Oh, hell. No. That would not happen. But I would say this, though, to Jamel's point, and I've been saying this for a long time, too. You and I and, and a few friends of ours in the A&T have, have podcasts about this. Once a year, we hadn't, hadn't had it last year, try it this year. What if the schools get together because we all just the interest in college football, college black college sports has picked up the last few years. What if they all came together and get an HBCU channel to showcase Scott. game from the SWAT, from the MEAC, the CIAA, the S, the, the SIAC? Um, mm-hmm. What if we could come together for that? And you you're, 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 you're starting people mentioned that people have to yeah, I know <laughs> you're, you're starting to, to bring some stuff. of the insight of my article out okay okay, I in terms of yeah, unification the point is that, yes. right it said money should be made 
but yes. would that would that come if all these kids, black kids, are going to these blue are going to HBCUs? I don't know. I think money could be made, but I don't know the big. I know Nike has gone on board, and other shoe apparel companies has gone on board with these schools finally, but uh, mm-hmm. namely in the uh, in, in the in the MEAC, and I think the yeah. SWAC as well. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I just don't. I just don't know. I just don't know if the money will flow to these institutions as as quick as Jamel hopes that they will or thinks that they will still flow to it. Yeah, like I said, even with the the, the 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 joint venture that you just said, right? It still comes back yeah. to one thing: mindset change. In order for that to happen, people's concepts are going to have to change and, and be open to do certain things in order for that to happen. So, yeah, like I said, it's it's all about a mindset, and and yeah, I, I'm trying to touch on this as much as I can from from what I know. To, to talk about the things that 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 some we can change, and then there are just some things that I'll have to point out and like, yo, that's gonna have to happen too. Don't think that it will, but you have to take into consideration that this is why. Without this, Power Five won't be Power Five, or without this, the other five won't get the attention that they get. So, you know, there's just certain things, mindsets that just need to, to, to alter in order for us to, to, to at least aspire to move up to the next level. Because there's so many schools that want to have a $55 million football uh, 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 complex. Hell, there's some Power 5 schools that wish they had that. Right. right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> Yeah, and then there's, there's, there's some schools, there's some power, there's some power five schools that want to have that. But yeah, it, it's it's just it, it's it's interesting how everyone, everybody want to be Jay Z, but don't nobody want rhyme and put in a hustle. So aspire to be what you can, and figure out ways to get to that, and and, and get comfortable first before we can move up there. Now everybody everybody can't be. Uh, millionaires and billionaires off off a, a huge jump, man. We got we got to incrementally grow. So that that's right. And, and in order for for that to happen, you know, to to get out of being stagnant, I say it again, it has to be a a a, a mind reset. Got to be a mind change. You know, I'm God, looking I'm forward eager to get the story out. God. Yeah, I know. I'm looking for the I'm looking for this article. <laughs> Who knows? I may be supposed to respond to that said article, and maybe that and get some more details of you online, or on a podcast, or wherever. So it should be. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it, bro. And yo, take a light, brother. We're doing until next week. Peace. Next week, brother. All right. Who you with? All right. Who you with? That's my guy. Yeah, that's my guy, Dinas. Please check him out on uh, Sleazy Radio every Tuesday on Facebook Live with the Coach's Company. And also check out his blog, The Yards at HBCU Sports, for rest on all things HBCU Sports. Thank you for joining the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. This is Scott Burks with the Cloud Hour. Take care. Peace out. Old oh, Dick. <laughs>